Oh, oh, chief, chief, chief. Do 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 you have a second? Yes, I only oh. have a second. Oh boy. Uh, okay, I'll try to make this. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, ears <laughs> open. Ears open. Chief, you're you're always cracking me up. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I love Can it. Can I speak to you for just one second? Because sure. you know everything that's going on here is amazing, wonderful. Love living in El Dorado. You know, like. Even today, when I don't know, these gods came to our village. Oh, you mean the gods that arrived from the skies? Yeah. You yeah. know, I see, I don't know. It seems I love them. They're great. Kind of like a coincidence, though, right? I mean, mm. you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but. No, feel free to speak. Remember, maybe about a month ago, those people that washed up on our shore and we put swords in their skulls because they were foreign invaders who were coming to steal our gold. You know what? I do remember that. I ordered that. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, they look a little bit like these gods. That's wild, right? Hmm. You know, I didn't even pay attention to that. I, you know I don't I don't see color. Not seeing that? Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, well, you know, here's something else that I was thinking about. Just, I don't know, spitballing here. So when they came and started speaking to us, that language, right? Don't oh, really yeah, yeah. What they're saying. It seems like if they were gods, it's that should be just like an easy translation. But they're speaking some strange language. Wouldn't, that w- wouldn't the gods speak something that we weren't able to hear we, we can barely hear their voices as it is true true you know and that's you know chief love it love the wisdom love how you're able to see all the sides <laughs> that's can why i do's what i do's <laughs> <laughs> can i just just one one more thing you know because like sure sure you know i was just walking by as they were walking by you know what a coincidence and i heard them talking a little bit about how they were just going to take all of the gold onto the ship and like leave forever that sounds like a crazy oh, why right. would the we gods did, do that we did build them that giant boat yeah. we did do that boat? kevin you're on to something yeah yeah oh thank you i like it I, you know, I thought it was crazy for a second, but I'm so glad. We need to build them a bigger boat. They're not going to be able to get all the gold out of El Dorado unless we give them a bigger boat. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, you're so smart. Do you want to? Do you want to pilot the boat? Uh, you know why not? Thanks, Chief. This is this has been a great talk. I'll hey. get on that boat immediately. I, I'm glad I could do what I can do. Yeah. God, we're screwed. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we go in on these white savior movies. I would, I always like to switch it up a little bit. We yeah, I was like <laughs> waiting for the deconstruct. It's like, nah, we going in on this. Thing. We go in it. Well, we deconstruct white savior films and then we recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. <laughs> That that should be the byline. I'm the I'm the other one. I'm the other one. <laughs> Put it in parentheses under on the, on the poster. 
<laughs> and you, we've got we've got another animated film today, which I think we'll talk about this in a second because I I was trying to remember all day if I had actually seen this movie when it came out, and I'm ninety percent sure that I did, only because I don't know when else I would have seen it, but I remember it like right. in a way that I must have seen more than the trailer at some point. So. Was it on a on a bus, you know, in, in middle school or high school going somewhere? Was it like just some random sleepover at some point? I don't know, but <laughs> I feel like I've seen this movie before. <laughs> but before we talk about that, let's bring in our guest who excited to talk to because the the podcast that she does is very interesting. And I listened to a few episodes and it is something that I feel like if people don't know about it, probably there's a lot of like interest there but also people who probably have similar experiences who are kind of looking for somebody to I think sometimes you just need to know like oh I'm not crazy like that <laughs> happened to somebody else like I, <laughs> I I this is an experience that multiple people have been having um, but we have Danielle from the Young Gifted and Abroad podcast hey. Danielle welcome hey y'all thanks for having me <laughs> so briefly yeah I want to talk a little bit about your show because I'm, I'm just very interested in where the idea came from because you know you are, you are somebody who has th the premise of the show is that you talk to black and uh, people of color who study abroad and kind of get their experiences whether they're currently abroad or they have been abroad before and just talk about what that's like in general and obviously that's something that you did when you mm -hmm. were in school but what what was it about that just idea that you said this would probably make a good podcast. Like you said, when I studied abroad in college, I received a lot of encouragement and congratulations from people around me, which was great. Um, but some of that encouragement came with this thing of, oh, I'm so proud of you for doing this thing because, you know, not a lot of us, not a lot of us black people get to do that. And at the time it was like, oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's good for me, but that doesn't really feel fair that other people, <laughs> that more people don't get to uh, have these opportunities or take advantage of them. And at the time, I was thinking like, oh, it would be good if I could do something about that, but I wasn't really sure what. I didn't have the means or the know-how to do a scholarship fund. And even now, I'm not, I'm not really sure that that would be my ministry even, even now. But um, yeah, that's something I never forgot about. And then the years passed and mm -hmm. in 2018, I was just <laughs> trying to come up with a, a new creative outlet for myself. And I thought maybe I could try making a podcast. And then I thought about what topic there would be that I wouldn't get tired of talking about that I could, you know, I could rock with for, for a little while. And, and then I thought of study abroad because, you know, that's an experience I have. And then also just with the school I went to and the people that I've met throughout my life, I, I knew that I knew plenty of people of color who had had similar like international experiences. And I thought, OK, if I can get them to talk to me about it and I can kind of uh, collect all these stories and, and just put them in one place, maybe they can be useful to somebody. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's how that started. I started in um, in 2018. I launched on Juneteenth of 2018, and I'm still going. Hey. So. <laughs> yeah, that's big, you know, because I think a lot of podcasts 
unfortunately i'll knock on something like we're 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 chugging along but like that's kind of the the challenge is like okay i've been doing this for a little bit how do i keep it going so the fact that you've been doing this since 2018 is is very impressive so congratulations on that (laughs) yeah but the movie that you chose it does kind of correlate to that a little bit because it is about traveling in some interesting ways <laughs> <laughs> what film did you choose for us to watch this i week? chose the road to el dorado and um now i feel kind of bad that i chose that movie <laughs> put y'all through this <laughs> oh, it's all right. we've been putting, yeah i was about to say we've been through way worse and we and we chose those movies. And like, yeah, I was about to say, like <laughs> people didn't come to us with that stuff. So I it's totally cool. What what was it about this movie that you thought would be good to talk about? Well, I was listening to your show and oh, I forgot to mention shout out to Black Girl Film Club who they were on your For sure. Fireball episode. Yeah. That's how I heard about y'all and um <laughs> Ashley especially, she encouraged me to reach out to y'all because I was like, oh, I don't know if they I'm not like a movie person, like an official movie person, so maybe. No, no. <laughs> but she really encouraged me to go ahead and reach out to y'all anyway. So shout out to her. Yeah. And shout out to Brittany as well. Um, mm-hmm. But sure. yeah, I was listening to your show and I was listening to your Atlantis episode. And I know I saw the movie, but I remember it very vaguely. I think the what I remember more is like the CD-ROM game that was associated with it mm. that I really liked at the time. I know I'm dating myself by okay. <laughs> mentioning that. No, no, but, it's um... so fine. <laughs> so I, I was listening to it and I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Because I was, I you know, thanks to y'all, I was remembering uh, or y'all were refreshing my memory about what the movie was about. And I was listening to it and I was like, okay, so we've got like these explorers going to some mythical place that's in the global south somewhere and it's full of brown people and there's like magic. What does this remind me of? This reminds me of something. And then I thought of the road to El Dorado. And it's one of the things I think is so great about your show is that, you know, y'all are making me think of movies that I hadn't considered or hadn't even thought about having white um, white supremacists also, but like white savior elements, <laughs> white savior elements in them. And so I was like, oh, is, is the Road to El Dorado a white savior movie? And I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my gosh, it's, oh, oh my goodness. They're sneaky. Like, <laughs> They're sneaky, aren't they? Yeah. Yep. And so then I felt like, I feel like I need to talk to someone about this. I also, I did have, a fondness for that movie. I didn't remember Atlantis, but I did remember The Road to El Dorado fondly. Uh, less fondly now. I don't completely hate it, but I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's part of it also is that I, I did remember the movie fondly and I thought it would it would be fun to tackle it. <laughs> so. For sure. Well, yeah, I don't know when else I would have seen this movie other than 2000s. So I'm going right. to say that I probably saw it around when it came out. Cameron, did you see this movie before? I try to think, and I guess I'm giving myself away. But like the last half of this movie felt like a weed flashback. I was just like, oh, <laughs> I've seen that. No, I've, I've seen this. Like, you know, when you're watching something <laughs> and you, you feel like your eyes have seen that already. Yeah, And it's not just from the trailer, but it was stuff like, I don't know, spoiler alert, because you're listening to this at this point, but, you know, the the monster at the end, the, like, Aztec tiger cat monster thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. 
I've definitely seen that though. And like yeah. that whole sequence, I was like, yeah, this is, these are familiar things. And I guess I wouldn't have got this far if I hadn't seen it. So I guess I, I hmm. guess I've seen it. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I came yeah. to this one. Well, I, I am confident that I can do this movie in five minutes. Oh, I don't know what. Talk about that confidence line. again. I like it. Yeah, I I don't know what's on the line with this, but we're gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. My integrity is on the line. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking everybody to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I I mean I'll take that. Uh, so. <laughs> find a, find a still operating Chuck E. Cheese. I'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cameron, let me know <laughs> when to start. All right. <laughs> um, three, two, one. All right. So we start out with just like a random Elton John song. And he's basically like the narrator in and out of this movie, but he's telling you about the world of El Dorado. There's gold everywhere, there's gods, it's a beautiful place. Everybody should go to El Dorado. We learn that it's the year fifteen hundred. We go to Spain where we meet uh, Miguel and Tulio, who are two con artists played by the reunited Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh of Sir oh, Kevin Oh, because they were Sorry. both in Much Ado About Nothing. And Wild Wild West. And Wild Wild West. Oh, oh no! Oh, my God. I forgot Kenneth Branagh's the villain in Wild Wild West. This podcast does turn to a Wild Wild West podcast. It's enough, man. Um, but if the- I ever meet Mills, Will Smith, I'm going to be like, I got questions. <laughs> They're they're shooting dice in the in this alleyway, uh, and they're using loaded dice to cheat to win. And their opponent, who is also played by Tobin Bell, this is a weird casting, but he yeah. has a map to El Dorado. He's down bad, you know. He's already out all his gold, so he's, he puts up <laughs> the map to El Dorado. Which sidebar, like, if you have that, why are you? What are you doing? Like, why are you worried about losing money or even like? playing die like go to El Dorado. Anyways. He, <laughs> he bets very good point. <laughs> he bets it on the game but he's like, you know, Tulio, you gotta use my dice. Like we're not gonna use this dice anymore. So of course Tulio rolls a seven anyways. But his his other dice fall out and they get caught. So they get chased away down the docks and they have to stow away on a ship, which of course belongs to the real life colonizer, uh Hernan Cortez. And Cortez literally threatens them with slavery uh, when he finds yeah, them on his ship. He definitely said that you will be enslaved. I was like, he, oh yeah. shit! He says he's going to take him to Cuba and have him work in the cane fields. Uh, but Kanye, <laughs> Kanye didn't think it was so bad. <laughs> Sorry, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. But anyways, they managed to escape. <laughs> they steal a horse. They steal a boat. Uh, they're lost at sea for a bit. And then after a few days stranded on the ocean, of course, they just wash up randomly on the exact island that they need to be where El Dorado is. A musical montage ensues. They follow this map and they just end up at this large rock. So they think they're at a dead end. But then Shell, who's played by Rosie Perez, is running away from a group of pursuers uh, who, upon finding uh, Miguel and Tulio, just assume that they're gods uh they look kind of like a pictograph of gods and they just say yeah you know you're gods you come with us back to el dorado they take them back to el dorado where they meet the high priest uh Zeko Khan and chief tanabak uh played by armand Desante and edward james almost and 
basically Zuko Khan and Chief Tanabak are kind of in this seemingly petty power struggle. They're trying to go back and forth. And so they're using Miguel and Tulio to kind of gain favor with the people. As Miguel and Tulio are, are arguing about what they should do, like a volcano coincidentally just stops mid-eruption while they're fighting. So that just convinces everybody that they're gods and they get led to this luxurious temple. While they're trying to figure out what they need to do, Shell comes in and she's basically just blackmailing them because she's like, I know you're not gods. I know you're trying to con everybody and take the gold. So you need to take me with you when you leave. And in exchange, I'm going to help you deceive everybody and kind of, you know, do the runaround, right? So from here, the, the movie just basically repeats itself at this point. So Random got, scenes, man. Yeah. Zekulkan wants to just sacrifice somebody, right? This is basically how it goes. Zekulkan wants to sacrifice somebody. So there's a scene where he's about to, like, sacrifice sacrifice someone in honor of them and Miguel stops him because you know that's a terrible thing to do Tulio uses that as a way to get more gold for them and then Shell and Tulio like sleep together that's just kind of like that keeps going around in a circle right and so <laughs> there's some like musical numbers involved uh there's a random sports ball game somewhere in there they they convince the chief to build them a boat to take them back out of the city and then they also kick uh, Zako Khan out of the city because they're tired of his shit. And there's a few more like there's an Elton John, you know, number in there somewhere, too. Uh, eventually, Miguel and Tulio's friendship starts to get strained. Miguel, I guess, believes that he's a god or is at least like this is great and I'm just going to stay in El Dorado forever. And Miguel is like, nah, we should take this gold and just go back to Spain. He also wants Ten to seconds. just go like get it in with ah oh, man. I'm close. I'm almost at the end. You're close, you're close. <laughs> uh so yeah, but Ghost is basically like, yeah, I just wanna like sleep with Shell and have a lot of gold and back go back to Spain. So Elder John sings a bit more, Zeko Khan apparently had real magic powers the whole time uh, <laughs> was not <laughs> using them. <laughs> uh he comes back to the city controlling like this giant stone jaguar and just starts fucking shit up. And so of course Miguel and Tulio find a way to trick him uh and he falls off a cliff and again coincidentally just washes up right in front of cortez who's coming to i assume colonize el dorado <laughs> and then as miguel's getting ready to leave with shell it's discovered that cortez is, is coming right to el dorado with Zekulkan's help so they use their boat full of gold to like collapse the cave that leads to el dorado and then they just walk off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's all the right. How close minutes. was I? That was six okay. minutes. And six we, minutes? Like, we, we definitely uh, sidetracked for, like, at least 45 seconds. So I'd give it to you. Six minutes? So yeah. that's, I mean, that's as close as we've gotten. Yeah. That's as close as we've gotten. Because I'd give you, like, 515. That's all right. All right. See, that was, you know. Yeah. We're getting Impressive. there. Improvement. We're getting there. <laughs> But that is basically the movie. And that is the movie. You didn't like really skip anything other than like a basketball game that had an ar armadillo <laughs> mm -hmm. as a ball. Like, yeah. Can I offer? Well, the oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go. A, a no, small go correction. Ahead. I think you said 1500. I think they made a point of having it be in 1519 because that's when mm. um, Cortez started yeah, colonizing yeah. Mexico, which I guess is what um, where they're located, which is. No, well, they're in Spain. They're in Spain in the you, movie. No, I mean like um, El Dorado. I'm sorry. Um, like geographically. Yeah, we have no, yeah, we have no clue <laughs> if they even got to America, got to Mexico. We'll, we'll assume that they got yeah, to Mexico. Yeah, but though. that's the year for Mexico um, was yes. in 1519. So I, um, I guess that's why they said it in that particular year. 
Yeah, thank you for that because it's very unclear how long they're on that boat for, how long they're they're washed away for, you know, at sea, and then like even like <laughs> like geographically where they are. Yeah, like they're on an island, I guess, but. It's also like, why is Cortez there? You know, like there's a lot of things that just don't really make sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but a little bit about the movie. Right. So this is a DreamWorks film. And this is like the DreamWorks film after Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt mm-hmm. Right. Which yeah. was like one of the, the top animated films of all time. Right. Maybe like, it's definitely their biggest hit. Oh, besides yeah. like Shrek. Maybe. Yeah. But before they so, went into like 3D animation, this was like their biggest hit. And they were riding high. Like that was a that was a big hit for them, right? Mm-hmm. And they come into this. There's a we'll get to this in the behind the scenes, but they there's a lot of stuff going on with this movie and kind of the back and forth and why it kind of ends up being this weird piecemeal amal- amalgamation of things. But just to run down the cast again, it is it is Sir Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Kevin, Some Kevin, on his name. <laughs> Kevin, you know, I, I, you got to put the sir in there. Uh, there's Kevin Klein, there's Rosie Perez, uh, Amar Asante, Edward James Almost, Jim Cummings, again, Tobin Bell randomly as the guy who loses the map. Most Elton people John. don't know that Tobin Bell is like known for playing uh, Jigsaw in the Saw mm-hmm. movies, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 I just wanted to put like some context on that because I was like, I get it. You say to me, Tobin Bell, and I'm like, yeah, 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 I get yeah. it. And then like most people are like, Ugh. and then like if you heard that voice from the Saw movies, yeah. you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Again, Elton John and Tim Rice, who, you know, you people know them for The Lion King. Like that was, you know, yeah. with what their big previous collaboration was. And so like this was supposed to be another one right like there was supposed, oh, to just, supposed yeah to be, like they was putting a stank on it it was like let's do it but it, it comes out in march of 2000 and the budget's 95 million the box office 76.4 million <laughs> they lost a lot of money on this movie. a lot of money <laughs> oh, there were no. sequels planned there was a lot of other stuff that was supposed to happen and, yeah they were supposed to continue with this, basically. With this, so like another like Mentulio story. Yeah. Well, Shell was going to be there, and I guess the Armadillo. Like it was a very weird. Get the fuck out of here! The <laughs> Armadillo too. Like he was part of the original IP of this movie. They got to get him some continued character work. That he's probably going to meet a female Armadillo, right? Out of my and face. Then, like... This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make no sense. Who knows? But yeah, that no that sense. was kind of. <laughs> You know, the setup to it. So there, it was supposed to be, you know, this big, big hit for them. Mm. And not so much, right? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it kind of falls flat on his face. And, I mean, let's let's just get into the, the white savior element of this. Because, like, what a bizarre premise for a film in so much as... So it's a movie <laughs> about two white Europeans who go to an indigenous land are just proclaimed gods, right? Like it's not even, they don't, <laughs> they don't trick anybody. They just, they're called gods and they say, all right. Um, and it's set in the, in the year and in the country in which Spain like decimated 
of people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like they, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the smallpox. Like they were killing yeah. people, like <laughs> intentionally. You know what My I mean? God. So it's like to have that as the backdrop of this movie. It's just kind of like y'all could have gone anywhere with this. You did not have to come. <laughs> to you know mesoamerica and throw all this indigenous you know background and scenery i know el dorado is like you know a myth and it's a whole but it's not even that right because a lot of the times at least now right when they're doing these movies they're doing moana and Mm. even you know some of like they're more uh is it canto is that what i'm thinking about what is the incantanto what am i thinking about the new disney movie that's about to come out oh Encanto. yeah about the house like they're about the house it's about yeah it's about the house you know the house it's, is like it's a magic house it's a magic house <laughs> you, you got it oh man why can't i remember the one that came out i want to say it was also pixar that was coco like, yes that's that, it was I about Dios de los coco. coco is incredible but coco, so all of these coco movies, is yeah god tier stuff i love coco but that's the thing so like these movies now are more like Oh, yeah. Like, what if we just centered these cultures and, like, used the language and, like, really gave a platform to people from those communities to tell these stories and all this stuff? And this was basically just like, yeah, but what if two white guys uh, (laughs) just came in (laughs) and took all the gold? And we're supposed to root for them, right? And so, like, it's just it's very strange that that was what this was like for you guys watching this was it was that just in the back of your mind the whole time because that's what i was thinking especially having cortez again real life colonizer (laughs) and murderer of people like be just a, a throwaway character in the movie was just like i could not the second he was on screen i was like oh okay yeah (laughs) <laughs> for sure um i think part of having cortez in there is he's a, just a convenient way to get miguel and tulio from spain to el dorado because how else are they going to get there when they don't have a ship or anything so it's like okay we'll just bum a ride on uh, cortez's ship but i think also with cortez being a character i think <sighs> i feel like this movie operates on this thing where it's like with with what Miguel and Tulio do, it's like no harm done. Like we're the we being Miguel and Tulio, we're the we're the good colonizers. Hernan Cortez is the bad colonizer. We're just two <laughs> dumb guys who just fall into this thing. He's the real guy who's like terrible he has his horse on a diet he's talking about plantations (laughs) he's talking about how his mission is so holy and everything he's pointing guns at people you know he's the real bad Uh guy who's coming we just you know we didn't we're just two dumb guys who want adventure and money it's your boys that's it it's It's your boys Miguel and Tulio Miguel and Tulio (laughs) We just we, we just back, out here, baby. It's good. <laughs> no harm, no foul, baby. We got it. <laughs> you know they're not good people in the way that a lot of these kind of like antihero type. You know they're they're con men, but they're not like hurting people. You know in the same way, mm-hmm. like they're not mm-hmm. like they don't beat anybody up or you know use guns to like coerce people to give them what they want or you know they're just right. they're tricking people they use their charms and their wits to kind of like get around and do stuff. But even in the, the initial 
setup, right? Like they are again just assumed gods by the people of El Dorado. And this is hold on a second. Let me get let me get this out because I, <laughs> I do have a question. What do y'all think, right? Because this is the thing that I was trying to piece out the whole time. And then they did a turn. And then I was like, oh, I don't even know what you want me to think anymore. So initially, I was under the impression that both the chief and Zekul Khan kind of knew what was up, right? Like they were not necessarily fooled by Miguel and Tulio like they may have had I think I think it was yeah, kind of like either a, one of them were actually like oh yeah we yeah they're gods well I think it was kind of like a I think the impression that I got was like a who cares right because I we're in a power struggle so whether right, they are or whether they're not I'm we're going to use this to our advantage right but then at a certain point it becomes clear that Zekul Khan did believe they were gods and was disappointed because he saw I think Miguel bleed and was like sac- you know, sacrilege like you know they're they're claiming to be gods and then right, right, at, a, right. at a certain point the chief also when he's building them the boat is kind of like he doesn't say it outright but he kind of has this like yeah. tone the of look i know th- yeah y'all aren't really mm-hmm. who you mm-hmm. say you are it doesn't really matter whatever but then generally the people of el dorado i guess believe that Right? Is that what yeah. the movie wants me to believe? That these people believe these two men are gods? Well, okay, so that's so interesting. <laughs> I got the impression that Zeko believed from the beginning because it wasn't that everybody automatically thought they were gods. Like they were staring at them when they came in on the on it with the guards and stuff. But it was Zeko who was like, Hey everybody, I've been telling y'all about this prophecy and I'm here is the proof. Like, y'all can't say I'm, I'm crazy or I don't know what I'm talking about. Here are the gods I've been prophesying right here. And all y'all right. need to believe in this thing. Because look, look look what we have before us. So I thought, you know, he he believed up until, like you said, that moment where he saw Miguel bleeding after that game. Um, and he was out to, like, prove everyone wrong, especially the chief. Because the chief didn't really seem to believe in whatever prophecies that he'd been espousing up until that time. I thought the chief knew from the beginning that they weren't really gods, which confused me because it's like, why are y'all, why are you rolling out the five star treatment for these two strangers? Who are the ones who killed those two skeletons with the swords in their heads? Who did that? But y'all are treating these people like they're honored guests. Like, are are, are there different people who live on this land who, who, uh, like, have different approaches to invaders? Because that doesn't, um, but the, the reason why I thought that the chief knew from the beginning that they weren't really gods because he asked them, how long are y'all staying? And I thought that was a very strange mm-hmm. question to yeah. ask. Like these gods that you've been believing in and waiting to come down for however, you, you're just like, oh, yeah, so how long are you staying? That just sounded really strange to me. So I felt like from the beginning the chief didn't believe, but Zekel did. And then he went on the war path once he felt like he had been tricked, once he saw the... Miguel bleeding mm. from the eye. Yeah. Um, mm. Mm. And yeah, I, but then as far as the people go, I feel like they didn't, it's not like the chief made an announcement like, oh yeah, these people aren't really gods, but they're cool. They can stay right if they want. I don't think the people were ever let in on like what was actually going on. So I feel like it was only 
Zekel and the chief who knew what was up by the end, and then everyone else was just left in the dark. That was my assumption. I definitely feel like the people were just like a script device. Like they could believe or not believe at any moment, depending on whatever is clever for the script. Yep. Cause like what the volcano incident is, it's hilarious in the movie. I would thought that was like one of the few moments that I actually laughed at was that we're yelling and then the volcano stops and it like does that reverse, yeah. like, I don't know, for lack of a better yeah. word, <laughs> fart thing that it does. Yeah. And then the next shot is like the entire town bowed down at their feet. And I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. But I, I mean, if they literally either believe or disbelieve, depending on whatever is clever at the moment. Yeah, well, because here's what I'm confused about, right? So what was Miguel going to do, right? Because that's what that's I'm awesome. very confused about. <laughs> he was like, he was going to hang out and just, I'm like just gonna tell Because he was still wearing the headdress. Get him grapes. I don't think he was ever going to oh, come clean yeah. about it. Yeah, no. He was going to yeah. live the lie. It was all good. He was going to live the lie, but then it's like, because A, what's in it for the people of El Dorado? You know what I mean? Like, he offers nothing he plays, to them. He plays he the mandolin for any... them. <laughs> That's the one thing he culture. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> like... ooh, wait. Ooh, hold up. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, if that's his contribution, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, yeah. you're going to have to do right. better than that if you're, if you're looking for a godship, uh, you know, so, because he doesn't, they, they, all they do is take, right? Like, all yes. they do is come in here, they take gold, they take, I mean, yeah, let's just say it, they take shell, right? Like, she 100%. is an object within the movie for them to be going back and forth about like i know you know the rosie perez of it all is kind of like <laughs> blinding because you're just like but it's rosie perez like she wouldn't put up with that shit but then you're <laughs> looking at the character and you're just kind of like i don't know like this feels weird i have, um, I have a question about her but i don't want to interrupt your train of thought sure. um so oh yeah uh, i mean all i was going to say is that it just seems very strange that these like you're saying uh, Danielle, that like these people are not just like welcoming to them, right? Strange people who we're not even gonna get into the language of. Like, oh my gosh! None of y'all speaking. Ooh, that same. was There's, on my mind you know, too. Oh, what that kind was of on my mind the whole movie. Bullshit is this? <laughs> the whole just, movie. I was like, oh wait, wait, wait. So everybody just speaks the same Spanish? Everybody's good? Yeah. Well, they don't even they speak whatever in, their indigenous yeah. language that's is. integral <laughs> that's integral and these guys just show up and they're like spanish 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 cool yeah. all right and so, then i guess it's like that you know magic of movies where people speak english and you yeah. can assume that they're speaking their native tongue to each other but it, even so. at that point it's like <clears throat> bro i can't go across the ocean and just assume <laughs> everybody's gonna speak if think about it just even today, 2021, I ended up on a boat in a in a random barrel, and I ended up on a boat, and I ended up in Africa, and I just washed up on the shores of West Africa tomorrow. Like, I'm not gonna, we're not, we're both black, sure, yeah, but we ain't gonna be speaking the same language, yeah. And on top of that, Africa's got like hundreds of languages, so I'm definitely screwed. I can't point to Steve over in the corner and be like, "Do you get it?" You understand what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, you're gonna I, have to I do some uh, some Matthew McConaughey and Amistad type 
bullshit <laughs> start writing on the ground <laughs> i came in a boat in a barrel because i'm a petty thief no, no, no. so yeah i mean they they constantly fall up yeah. through the exactly. whole movie oh for but sure it's just like what what are they bringing like was el dorado really down bad like that that this was like <laughs> they were fine happy a boon to them good. yeah they seemed like everything was you know all societies have their ups and downs so i mean who knows who can say what's going on in el dorado when they I show won't. up I but won't. i'm gonna say that they added nothing to, to that society and wow. even like in being a deity it wasn't even like they were i guess something stopped the volcano it wasn't mm -hmm. them but you know, i don't like is that but is that their job to stop the volcano from erupting is that what they need a god to do or because everything else seems fine you know I yeah i can't really imagine what he was going to do because he was one gonna die one day that would it was gonna be a wrap yeah it was gonna be was a gonna, eventually i mean he was gonna age right. at some point like he was gonna look different there's no way <laughs> that he was gonna be able to keep that ruse up for more than let's say three mm -hmm. years yeah, I mean, the 15, 1500s, I'm going to say he aged like milk. So he's probably not going to look great. I mean, is he wrong? He's not very wrong. soon. <laughs> no, he's got no sunscreen. He's got no, I mean, he's, wow. he's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's done. So, yeah, like, I really don't know what the end game of that was other than right. to live, you know, because it would be one thing if it was like, you know, we know you're not a god, but like, you can live with us. Like, we're chill we're a kind whatever. people you can yeah, you can yeah, chill yeah. you can hang with us yeah we're not gonna like tell you to get out mm -hmm. but it's one thing for that and then the other thing to be like yeah but and then we'll praise you and like throw go and I, yeah. it's also very strange because i know obviously tulio's whole deal is like i'm trying to get this goal and get out but for miguel it's like i'm going to for, at least from what we've seen assume that el dorado does not have capitalism and so like the gold itself is not valuable yes you know, as, in that as society. shown by a scene where they sacrifice the gold <laughs> yeah. into a whirlpool, whirlpool th that they call their god so it's not even like he would be rich like in the sense of like oh i've got this gold now like they're giving me all their gold because it's like and you're gonna spend it on what to do what like there's the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think what for, would you uh, do? Yeah, what would you do? I mean, honestly, I think for Miguel, it was just like I think they tried to really show that like Miguel is not really in it for the money. He just wants the some grand adventure, and yes, um, and of course that the extra nice treatment is good too. I think that's what he would have wanted yeah. to hold on to by staying <laughs> in um, right El Dorado. But it's true, like it's like what what are the what is the because the chief said something about when they were trying to leave, like we were expecting y'all to stay for like a thousand years. A thousand like, years. Hey, well, what what do they what were they supposed to be doing? The only thing I got was when when Zeko Khan was like, kept saying they were necessary to usher in the age of the jaguar. But what what does that mean? I don't know what happened. But he did that. He just he kicked a dude into a pool who, and then he blew up, and then he had magic jaguar yes. powers. Like I don't think he needed yeah. them to right. do that. So. <laughs> but I think it, uh, yeah, I guess I'm trying to, because that was like dark magic that I guess he was using as a last resort. 
but he wanted to believe that the gods as Miguel and Tulio would be the ones to bring in this new era but I don't I don't I don't know what that would have meant for El Dorado as a whole no. like what would that would have what, what does that accomplish right. what does the jaguar mean we don't we don't know <laughs> no one knows the movie definitely doesn't know no uh, Danielle, you're gonna you're gonna say something about Shell, oh, yes. and I, I want to um, hear these thoughts. Yeah, I so I don't know if I just have ha- had um, had too much of the of the movie's logic taken in space of, in my brain, or if I'm genuinely confused. But it's like I, I'm not sure, and I guess I, I'd like to hear what y'all think in terms of whether the the Chell thing, if that is an example of white saviorism, because she. She wants to get out and she's trying to use them the way she knows that she's that they're using her and her people. And it's like, okay, y'all lie, steal and cheat. I also lie, steal and cheat. Let's lie, steal and cheat together so I can get out of here. Um, And it's not necessarily even because we know a ton about Miguel and Tulio and what they want and where they're from. We don't really right. know anything about what Chell wants. They conveniently say, they conveniently have her say, we all have our reasons. Let's not make it personal. Let's just keep it business-like. She says she wants to get out at one yes. point. That's all she right. said. She just wants and to get out. she mentions having dreams or wanting better things, but we don't know what that is. And we never learn. Fam, you live in a city made of gold. Like, what are you running? Right. It was weird. That was that was the part that was weird to me. Because I was like, you live in a city made of gold. Everyone in the city seems to be smiling all the time. Yeah what are you running from happiness and positivity so yeah so i i guess i I guess and y'all can i'd be interested to hear what y'all have to say but i'm she she's is it a white savior (laughs) is this an example of white saviorism if she genuinely wants to get out and she's just using them to get her end goal which is to get out of there like well i did want to i did want to map this because that was even though it's like kind of obvious and on his face the white saviorism of the movie because they do save the city people and they save the city so that stuff is like concrete they do they yes they save the city twice well yeah i guess the first time is not the the volcano doesn't count the volcano doesn't count but it would have destroyed their town yeah um and second is i guess at the end with the jaguar monster and no, well they save him from the jaguar and then they save them from cortez. what would have been a horrible death probably if cortez yeah. got in there and just yeah. slaughtered everybody yes oh yeah so, it's so wow okay so so they do save the city but it's like a plot point more so than like their quest they save chell who's about to be you know killed by those guards out in front of the city or at least apprehended so they save her from like a worse fate but like in terms of them taking her out out of el dorado into spain which what was their initial plan is that i don't know yeah i don't i don't know because i think they're i think they're like not reluctant saviors but definitely like un unknowing saviors like they kind of like bumble into the situation and bumble their way out of it honestly oh uh, well i'm going to refer to this website the flick philosopher by mary and johansson who wrote something that i was like yeah that's actually makes a lot of sense and it, and it has a lot to do with, with shell and her motivations and so Marianne writes, the question, the very pressing question that never even gets broached and makes absolutely no sense within the context of the movie is, 
Why does Chell want gold? She comes from a city, an insular little world in which gold is as ordinary as gravel. The buildings are gleaming with it, the people bedecked with it. Anything that abundant is by definition not valuable in a financial sense. And we have no indication that Shell has been anywhere else besides El Dorado, where she might have realized the wealth that the city possessed. We get no indication that the Eldoradians, Eldoradoans, we we we're having a conversation about what to call them, uh, but the people of Eldorado have any concept of money for that matter. Indeed, the city is hidden deep in the middle of an island with no tribes or people around. So where was Shell going with the gold statue she stole, and what would anyone in Eldorado care that she had stolen it? Right, because she places it right back in the altar, like as soon as they get back, and like so casually too. Marion caps it off by saying, gee, the unthinking imposition of European values on native people. It's cultural imperialism, Hollywood style, fun for the whole family. Mm. Uh, and so <laughs> I think I think, wrong, wrong. <laughs> I think that is a big question to ask is like, shall what is she doing? Right. Because like she's stolen this thing from this temple. You could say, you could say maybe it's a holy thing. And that's why. They wanted it back, not necessarily because it was gold. That's never explained. What she wants is never explained. Where she wants to go is never mm -hmm. explained. And the idea of Miguel and Tulio coming in and automatically being seen as like this meal ticket. Because the other thing that I have to ask, which is never <laughs> brought up, although again, we do see skeletons on the beach with swords in them. In their heads. Or one in their skull. <laughs> El Dorado, by myth, right, is this legendary city of gold, right? Dude had a map to it. I have to assume other people have tried to get there mm. before, right? Yes. So yes. I'm going to assume that other white people have come through. Maybe they didn't get us. I mean, clearly they didn't get us fall because <laughs> they're dead on the beach. But, <laughs> but I have to assume that El Dorado is a city that is like it is insular and kind of like you know kept to itself but also there is you know this idea that like people want to come and take from mm -hmm. us right like people want to come here and take what we have maybe we don't know the inherent value of gold or the value placed upon gold by other civilizations but are you flushing that... your money down the toilet <laughs> to appease your god <laughs> but i think they understand that yes people may try and come and take what is theirs for their own benefit right and so it's very strange as to why they decide you know i guess because even like randomly cortez right when he shows up at the very end zuckel khan pulls out his book and like something that looks like cortez is in it and so he's like oh another god or it's like another, a doom like, like a doom bringer god yeah he, like something like that standing on the skulls of like his enemies i guess which once again uh let me let me find my favorite Can we talk for a minute? i just have a question <laughs> about why every time in movies like this whether it's avatar whether it's this whether it's atlantis the indigenous people dune right we talked about dune right the indigenous people have a prophecy about white people coming into their land to fix things, solve problems, be godlike figures. Like it's never that mm. one of them will ascend to become one of their own. That, 
you know, like there's some kind of insular prophecy in which like they will attain power of their own. It's always that, oh yeah, some somebody who doesn't look like you is going to come in on a boat, <laughs> on a plane, fall out the sky, whatever it is, and like, and then they will be anointed and 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 solve your problems. And so, I think this is a white savior movie in the sense that I think that is what, at least in Zekel Khan's book, is being prophesized is that these white people or Europeans or somebody is going to come and like, I don't know what they're going to do because they didn't really explain that part of what, what God's roles are in El Dorado, like why they would have need for them or what they're praying to them mm -hmm. for. I guess they're just like all, all purpose gods, but it seems like all that, <laughs> that just it just seems like that's a very strange reoccurring theme is that like yeah like these indigenous people really want an outsider to come to their land and and solve whatever issues they may be yeah. having and so you've got miguel and tulio who again like we're, we'll talk about this a little bit later too because people love those two characters they love the actors and there's a lot of just like they're they're affable witty charismatic you know yada 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 but they're also like the way that the movie is constructed around them right and there's, there's a lot of weird like script changes that happen throughout but like they i think i think yeah kind of what you're getting at danielle just in terms of them like not saving anybody they also really don't do anything Right. Like it's not necessarily that they don't save anybody. They also actively don't do much because they get there, they're put in that temple, and then they really just kinda like sit around and, and let sing about come to them. Yeah, they sing about how hard it is to be gods. They get coerced into some kind of sports event. They constantly tell Zekokan to stop sacrificing people in their name but like they never there's never a problem for them to solve right like there's never an active thing that they're either working towards or against other than just getting the fuck out with all mm -hmm. the gold right like well, that's really i mean it would convince me that they were gods too if two white men came from another place <laughs> and won a basketball game in my hometown <laughs> full of with brown the, people with the help of a really magical with armadillo <laughs> they had them walk on hot coals too I forgot about that. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, they had him do a lot of weird stuff that I was just like, I didn't, I didn't get what was happening, but like it was, it was cause it all happened within one musical montage. And then that was kind of the end of that. And that was it. They yeah. were gods. They were, yeah, they were anointed at that point because yeah, like we never, I mean, this is another point to talk about because we never see them interact with the people of El Dorado, other than well, yeah, one they time kick around, they kick around the, the soccer ball yeah. with some kids. They kick around the That's soccer yeah. ball. You know, Miguel and plays a little, you know, bit of loot. And uh, I, I and guess then, Miguel and Tulio like uh, stopping that dude from being sacrificed to the whirlpool. Mm. That's like talking to a guy. I mean, <laughs> you're right. You're not. You're not wrong. You're you're very right. That literally. Right. They kick around the ball once. Oh, yeah. Like that one guy is afraid of Miguel. Mm. Yeah. 
later in the movie he's like he's like oh take take anything take my earrings take take yeah. everything just let me live uh, well and the, the kids are doing like a little play about how you know Miguel yeah. stopped that guy from being sacrificed but it's like we never we never learn anything about El Dorado right we don't know anything about the culture we no. don't know anything mm-hmm. about what you know I guess again they have some Mesoamerican sports ball game that they play but like that's about it i think (laughs) that's about it it's side basketball (laughs) i don't know it was it was weird to me i think that um as you mentioned with the human sacrifice thing i think that's supposed to be their accomplishment is getting rid of human sacrifice because they make a big deal out of miguel kind of banishing Declan khan at the end of that game being like you're no longer yeah yeah we're no longer doing human sacrifices i think that's supposed to be their grand accomplishment and the people are like yeah you know human sacrifice is a little extra you're, you're right, <laughs> right. I, yeah but that's the only thing i can think of that is kind of the extent of it which again i mean when we're talking about the human sacrifice stuff that's crazy! Right, like that's <laughs> a problem <laughs> like i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why that was the thing so I mean, let's get into all of these things yeah. because these are the things that they really they were like, all right, we're gonna set funny. we're gonna set this movie in some kind of like pseudo Mesoamerican place, El Dorado, right? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the 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 way they treated the Mesoamerican natives in this town was the way they animated them felt like the way they animated them. I don't know if you were noticing in the background how they animated like. Mm the townspeople it, it it felt very like symptom of the of the overall problem to me so like in this movie it's a it's 2000 so you know animation is kind of transitioning from 2d to 3d you know some 3d elements or like using computers to animate things water whatever you know so you got these shots of like Miguel and Tulio in the foreground, blah, blah, blah. They're talking. And then you got these like Mesoamerican people just like floating. Oh, I noticed making that. Making them look like that they're like alive people, you know, like instead of them standing still, they're just like swaying from side to side and occasionally blinking. So it makes them look like cardboard cutouts in the background. And also, also, which I noticed, and it was also like an animation thing. Any group of people looked exactly the same. So like the guards all had the same face. Like all the townspeople were basically like two or three different models of people. Like they didn't animate more than like two or three different or draw two or three different like models of townspeople. Mm-hmm. And then like, hey, cut and paste, hey, cut and paste, hey, copy and paste, you know? And I felt like that was the approach, honestly, was like, oh yeah, like, okay, it's the city of gold. There's some Mesoamerican people there. You know what they look like, right? Okay, draw me two or three of them, and then let's let's keep it moving. You know. So I felt like the art style was like like echoing how they treated the actual native people and culture. Because it, it seemed like they were like, "What's the least amount of work for we real?" Put into this? It was you know so I mean? weird because like it, it drew my attention to it. Like I was watching the movie and like okay, watching scenes. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, who's this floating head in the back just, like, smiling at me? You know, I'm back here. <laughs> like, you look like a, I don't know, bowling pin, bro. What are Do you, you doing? Do you think they put more effort into designing, like, the architecture and just, like, the environment than the people? Because when I was watching it, I especially when they were inside the temple and in all these different places, it looked like they had taken a lot of care sure. to 
uh, pay attention to detail to do that. Yeah, but um, yeah, like the background. And I guess yeah. in my mind, I thought, oh, okay, look, they put all this effort into making El Dorado beautiful. And I think, I think maybe I was just so relieved just to see brown people in this movie that I didn't think about whether or not they were actually, if they had the same attention to detail paid to them. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you think maybe it, they? took more care with the like environment and the, their surroundings than the the characters that they they drew in there. I feel like you're you're on to something there cuz like you're right inside the temples are like gorgeous and well plotted and like they look planned out, they look like very well uh or at least like vibrantly animated or vibrantly painted and drawn. And, and it's like there was some attention to detail because I'm seeing like um people this culture carved out giant stone Olmec heads. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Legends of the Hidden Temple. Boy, did I. There you go. You're familiar. Olmec. Silver monkeys all day. Silver (laughs) (laughs) monkeys. Blue barracudas myself. But, uh, (laughs) whoa, whoa. (laughs) But, uh, so he's, Olmec, the host of that show, was reminiscent of, like, these Olmec heads that the Mesoamerican people would carve. And, like, I was like, okay. So they did, like, minor research and, like, put some environmentally sound things in there. So like, yeah, I'm down with that. But it just felt like that's where the work stopped a little bit. Yeah. And it also feels like the, the they put work into three, right? They put work into Zeku Khan, who they made purposefully look like a piranha. Right, so yeah. it's just like, you know, he's a bad guy off top. There's really yeah. no oh my gosh. all bad guys look like bad guys. <laughs> Uh, they put all, all, a little... all animated bad guys look like bad guys. <laughs> right. Like you'd never see like a bad guy in real life would never look like that. He would look like your coworker, right? You know, he he wouldn't like have a crooked nose and a weird hat. Yeah, maybe like dressed like he was from the nineteen. 19- no, he's not a weird. No, nah, he just looked like... like he looked like Joe Manchin, and you just be like, yeah, that's. Oh. <laughs> that's <it." laughs> yes, he does. Uh... But, That's what so a bad guy looks like. They put some work into him. They put work into Chell and for a lot of oh my weird God. reasons. And then they put some work yeah. into the chief, right? Chief Tenenbaum. Box. So like those are the three only the three characters that really get any not even the only just three distinct, uh, like uh um uh native characters. Right. Those are the only uh three native characters that get any distinct like different looks to them because even when they introduced the sports ball team like they were all just variations of large man large right? guy like, yeah it was weird they it all was kind so of weird like how the they just dude. like made samey looking people for groups of people yeah and i felt like that was like it, it almost felt like an animation choice because like sure i get it it's an animated movie we're watching goofy stuff so like yeah take take artistic liberty but also, to make a group of people look samey is very short-sighted, I think. You know, because oh, like if you sure. make a group of townspeople, if if you're animating a movie about like I don't know a, a city now or like a town now, you're not even like an all-white town. Like even if it was like Lincoln, Nebraska, everybody in Lincoln, Nebraska doesn't look the same. I mean, no. they might have the same skin color, but. <laughs> they're not looking this they don't look the same and i feel like this movie a little short-sighted with that because it made and and it also feels like you know well racist honestly it feels a little like okay they all look the same so they all look they all look like a guy you know a brown guy paint like 20 brown guys and then let's get out of here 
Right. I want to get. I want to get a beer later. You know. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong though. No. Well, because it it also. I mean, let's talk about Shell, right? Like, we'll lead into that because one of the yeah. biggest complaints from Native and Mesoamerican people is that Shell is just not even just re- reinforcing, you know, negative stereotypes, but also like as the only indigenous woman in the movie, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. no other indigenous women speak. Mm-hmm. Or are right. really even seen, you know, outside of just large crowd shots. There's the women that bring the gold out to throw it in. And they the all water. look the same. Yeah. And that's that's about it in terms of like other women that you see there. It's very I mean, like these are all choices, right? Like these are all choices that people uh, have to the, say yes to the thing. Like right. I'm an actor, bro. I'm a writer, man. I've seen people have projects that never get made. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so many people said yes to Shell's design specifically. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, is this one of the situations where you're trying to make her look a bit like Rosie Perez because we're trying to get, you know, a little bit of the the voice actor into the character, which Mm. is a strange choice to make. But like that, I don't know if that's what's happening, but it, it is also like every every stereotype right just like layered onto one character <laughs> again we we know that she wants to get out and go mm. somewhere for some reason she latches onto these two but then miguel and julio have this conversation where it's just like she's bad for the most part right is she's what they decide this, yeah. like she is she is she is a distraction yes, she's say, going yeah. to cause bad things to happen between us right like all because of how she looks right like if there's nothing she hasn't done anything she hasn't said anything that i've barely interacted with her just on site looking at her attractive woman with very little clothes on we've decided that she is going to make bad things happen in and around us right and so they are like yeah, like ha- like hands off, right? Off limits. We're not going to mess with that. And then m- maybe only a few scenes later, it's it is one partially like she initiates a lot of the stuff, right? With uh, she Miguel. initiates like, the massage. <laughs> yeah, and like the facial expressions that they're making in this movie oh, are also wild. This but... movie, this movie is definitely like. Uh, I mean, they they skirting close. <laughs> I mean, there's very little innuendo. Like, there's a lot of stuff. There's the the infamous scene where they're making out, but then when you see Chell come they're up, out of frame. Yeah, she well, she's not. She's nowhere near his face, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no. Yeah, this movie reckless, yo. You know, everybody this movie was is like, reckless. That's definitely a blowjob that they're insinuating, and even if you want to count it as a you know an animation mistake like it's still in the movie so you know right right. but so her (laughs) whole character is like because people attribute a lot of like oh yeah she's ambitious and she's like you know the instigator of a lot of the action and whatnot but she really is just boiled down to using sex to get what she wants right like she, she doesn't trick them she doesn't you know she blackmails them initially but then she just ends up sleeping with miguel and like tulio tulio 
they're the same. She ends up sleeping with <laughs> Tulio. <laughs> Tulio's the taller one, if that helps. The black hair. Yeah, yeah, he's got the perpetual the perpetual the five o'clock shadow where it's just like, yeah. <laughs> where are you shaving, dude? Anyways, so <laughs> so yeah, but she ends up just being Tulio's like damsel in distress, right? For the rest of the movie. Like she doesn't yeah. really she doesn't help them anyway, right? Like she's she never is like assisting them in a way that that gives her autonomy right like she's usually just either trying to escape from danger or making out or making eyes at tulio or you know does she even do anything at the end where they're getting away on the boat uh i guess not i don't remember does she do anything like in the moment i don't think she does anything like during that sequence to not really change that is strange tulio and miguel moment because I think at the beginning she f- frames, or I guess she pitches herself as their advisor. Like, if y'all want to survive right. this thing, then y'all need me because you don't know anything about our customs or anything. But right. I, I don't remember if there's anything that she, like, warns them about in advance. You know, like, with the no. Whirlpool thing, it, she's just like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And then that's it. And then, I mean, she switches out the ball for the armadillo, um right okay 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 <laughs> go chill okay chill but yeah i think <laughs> she got a I, she got a scheme or two up her sleeve i think at the mm-hmm, beginning mm-hmm. it's like she's supposed to be important to them because they can't navigate the society without her but yeah now that you mention it uh, she, she doesn't change or affect much um in terms of like the no. different i guess tests they go through yeah, 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 because she very quickly, right? Like you assume when she makes that offer that she's going to be around kind of continuing to to tip them in and clue them in on stuff. Fans of the movie will tell you that, oh, no, but like they're like she's they're equal, right? Because like she's got information on them and like, you know, she's she she knows more than them. And, you know, if it wasn't for her, they would have never been able to, you know, keep their their con going. But never once does she have an opportunity to to show that equality. Right. Like never once does she have an opportunity on in the film to to show that. Oh, yeah. Because like when they leave at the end, it's kind of like and we're all one big group now, like the horse, the armadillo, like all of us were like walking off into the sunset as like a crew. But then it's like she's the one who says it's it'll be more fun without a plan or without a map when they set off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But like, what is I mean, not to (laughs) I don't want this to sound wrong, but I but I have to ask as part of that crew, because she has never left El Dorado. What is she bringing to that operation? Right. Like, it's not like she's like a a master of like she's like picks locks or, you know, she's able to. Right. Right. You know, she speaks multiple languages or I guess she does because she could talk with them. But (laughs) (laughs) so can they apparently, (laughs) you know, so, you know, it's like she but she's got this skill that's like, oh, she's going to be valuable. Yeah. Like, you know, because Miguel and Tulio have this whole thing down right like they've got this whole pat back and forth they've got kind of this whenever they need to get out of a situation they've got this whole bickering routine down and like you know so like they're a crew i guess you know the two of them like they kind of know what each other is thinking whereas she 
isn't I'm not going to call her a third wheel in the operation, but like no, she, there's no, there's she's nothing definitely that a we part of the operation ish. Yeah, but we never see her do anything outside of knowing things about El Dorado, which will be useless to them once they leave El Dorado. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, she is an indigenous person, and maybe she is aware of other indigenous people around there. It's, I'm assuming that that when they run into her, that's not her first time leaving. But I don't know. Yeah, she can't even tell them which way is north. Like she doesn't know how to get off this true, island. She's never true. been out of El Dorado. Yeah, <laughs> like it's true. <laughs> you know, uh, it's not even like she's gonna navigate them back to Spain somehow. Like, well, this is where the Hollywood of it gets in. I, I mean, I don't know if we're here yet, but this is part of like yeah, the development process of the movie, right? So like. This movie was developed. I do remember this. I do remember this. I looked this part up, but it was developed as like um, kind of like a throwback to a series of movies that Bob Hope and Bing Crosby used to make called like the road to movies. Like uh, I think there was like a road to Bali and there was like a road to Singapore road to Hong Kong, usually Asian countries. Sure. I guess. I don't know why I was going to say also probably none of those aged well. <laughs> Hell no! I gotta. I mean, well, Family Guy parodied parodied it, so it's definitely has an age. Well. Uh, yeah, if you're fam familiar with Family Guy, I used to do episodes that were sort of the same idea. With uh, Brian and Stewie would go on like road trips to random countries, and it would just be the two of them uh, kicking it around with musical numbers. And so the third, there would always be a third person in these movies, and that would be uh, a woman named Dorothy Dorothy Lamore. And it would be Bing Crosby, Bob Hope and Dorothy Lamore. And they would go to like Bali and like, I don't know, dance like the native people and swindle some people. Those mm -hmm. are pretty that's pretty much like the base plot of these movies. And they're they're also like very just, you know, face value, like two white guy hucksters getting yeah. on a boat and then going to a random country and doing yellow face to those people directly and then probably like making out with a couple hundred smackers and moving on to the next one. And we'll make another one in two years. Like that, that's what they were trying to do with it. I didn't know they were trying to make sequels though, but this yeah. is definitely like mapped directly onto that. So I feel like the Chell character ends up being like the female character simply out of just being the female character there and serving like that purpose alone. So, yeah, let's kind of get into that because it is interesting to see just the development period of this movie. So this movie started to get into development uh, in 1994 because Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was the head of Disney from 1984 to 1994, was very intent on doing DreamWorks films differently, right? Like Disney yeah. at that time obviously was the animation studio and they had a formula right all of their movies. storybook stories with musical numbers written by like the top songwriters of the time and so they had hit after hit after hit and that kind of became like the standard way of doing and it's animation. funny because like under katzenberg's reign they kind of became like the notable disney studio that we i mean obviously there was bambi and snow white and all that stuff beforehand right. but like the aladdin snow white to Lion King era is like unimpeached in Hollywood. But Katzenberg was like, all right, we're going to do things differently. Now it was, it was after beauty and the beast was nominated for best picture that he was like, Oh, that's the thing we can do that. Right. We can, like, we we can, can do it. 
<laughs> we can <laughs> we can possible. aim for that, right? Like we can make an animated film that maybe isn't necessarily even aimed at at young audiences, but like has the scope and the feel of a live action film and has the possibility of being, you know, a best picture winner. And so that's definitely where Prince of Egypt came from. Like that whole thing was like, yeah, we're going to take this formula that we know works right with the music and all of the stuff, but we're going to slightly shift it, make it not darker in the sense of like, you know, like DC, uh, <laughs> like, no, Batman you're right. Darker, you're right. Right. You know, but like just more adult, more, more mature themes, right? More so, mature theme. Yeah. You know, Prince of Egypt is like the highest level of that. Like that's the it's best Bible story. <laughs> but apparently <laughs> Katzenberg met with uh, screenwriters, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio and gave them a copy of this book called Conquest Montezuma Cortez and the Fall of Old Mexico, right? Uh, and wanted to make an animated film set in the Age of Discovery, which is another name for when the Spanish came over and colonized all of South America. <laughs> when white Europeans were like, we've had enough of this spot. Let's go take over everything else. Yeah. And so as they were developing the Prince of Egypt, like that was like, you know, a big movie, a heavy movie, all of this stuff. But then Katzenberg kind of changed his mind because he was like, well, we need to we need to differentiate this next film from that film. And so, like you were saying, Cameron, he was like, OK, here's an idea. What if we kind of did it like those Bob Hope, Ben Crosby Road to films? Mm -hmm. Right. And so you kind of have these kind of hapless characters, you know, who end up in these exotic locations and these kind of over the top situations and somehow just kind of like fail the way up into, you know, some fantastic adventure. Yeah, and goofing so, around like a happy go lucky adventure kind of thing. And so the movie is is kind of in development hell for a while, right? Like they have all of this stuff happen where, you know, they're really chugging along and they're going and they're going. But then there's a lot of just like several different rewrites happen. Right. And so like after a while, it does kind of become this, this piecemeal film where they're trying to serve a lot of different audiences. Right. Because they decide they're gonna kind of scale it back down to being aimed at kids in a younger audience. And so that's why you see a lot of that either overt or at least, alluded to sexual stuff going on because it was going to be maybe like a PG 13 movie, but then halfway where, through where massages are very, <laughs> his face when she, he, what's funny is he gives her the massage and he's just like, yeah. you know, like his, he's biting his lip, his mm -hmm. hair, like curls. I was like, guys, mm. this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so like they, they go, around and around and so again you also have these instrumental narrations pretty much by elton john oh yeah where he kind of comes in it's very strange because it seems like these are things that you need to pay attention to right like he's kind of singing what's happening and then it, there's it has no bearing on the film right? but the like, songs are like <laughs> about anything the songs are like we're on the road to adventure and i'm like okay song. yeah yeah, <laughs> the manifest destiny, the theme song. It was. I almost yeah, turned it, off the movie during that song. I really did. I didn't think I could get through past that. Yeah. Point. 
it's kind of reckless. It's kind of be like, you know, isn't it cool? Wasn't Manifest Destiny cool? Yeah. It's like, I mean, no. I, wrote, I actually wrote stuff down. Probably don't have time for it. But like, I, I, I was like, am I hearing what I'm hearing? Because I, I didn't. Mm. How did this? You know, I. It's like if you turn. It's like if you did like a Tim Rice musical about the Middle Passage. It's like I don't want to hear that. Shut that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what reviewers said because they <laughs> did not like this movie. So before we get into some of these reviews, which were pretty great, um, come on, I mean, let, come on with it. I want to because... see the flames. So when we go around, because here's here's what we'll talk about a little bit before that, right? This movie has also become a cult hit, right? Like it flopped super hard when it came out and then like a lot of things that flop super hard they all specifically in the age of the internet like everything kind of has its own little cult audience and following so this movie has that it's been memed to death there's a lot of gifs out there if you just search el dorado gif like just a bunch of things pop up but a couple of things so one people took a lot of queer coding from Miguel and Tulio. Like there was an assumption that they were originally written as a gay couple. That was kind of like they threw shell in there to kind of like throw the scent off, but it was kind of supposed to be like, they were at the very least two gay men, maybe by right. And that, you know, shell, so shell kind of came between them. And that was the real source of friction between them. Wasn't that, one wanted to stay and one wanted to leave, but like that this woman had broken them up and like they were actually like a couple, right? So obviously DreamWorks and people involved in it have, have said, no, 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 no. There's all straight people having weird animated sex on screen that you don't get to see. Like that's what our movie is. But for a lot of, a lot of the internet fandom, like they do, they ship Miguel and Tulio together, right? So that's a huge mm -hmm. part of it. The other part of it, similar to Atlantis, is that, you know, a lot of people, this movie is well animated, right? Aside from the parts that you're talking about, Cameron, in terms of just weird stuff happening in the background. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true, though. But aside it from is, that, it is yeah, it, really dope to look at, honestly. Yeah. And so there's a lot of fans of just the animation, right? Because it is one of the last hand-drawn 2D animated films, you know, true. before the 3D era kicks in. And so there's a lot of people who look back very fondly on it because there is a weird mix. You know, they do bring in some of the 3D stuff specifically when they're out at sea or, uh, you know, there's like big animated sequences where they're, they're, they're merging, yeah. you know, different animation styles together. Sure. But all that to say, if you go to our favorite IMDb, it's got a 6.9, right? That's pretty uh, high. Which is, you know, very high for a lot of films, but you know, for this one specifically, given that it was not, you know, a huge financial success. If you go over to Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 48%. Yep. Uh, there you go. People were not, not messing with it. <laughs> that that uh, feels, that feels a little more correct. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, one of the reviews. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. It is unpleasant to watch. I mean, that's just the, <laughs> the what the little little blurb from <laughs> unpleasant to watch. It's unpleasant to watch. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I don't think it's unpleasant to watch. I mean, it's not. It's not even. I mean, we're gonna get into the the flames of it all. But then, if you go over to uh, our our real favorite, which is Amazon, 
Of course, it's got a. It says four point nine out of five. That's what that's what niggas. That's what niggas is at. (laughs) That should be somebody get Bezos on the phone and let them know that's the. (laughs) That's what we at. It's the new tagline for Amazon. (laughs) Amazon. It's where niggas is at. <laughs> I'm sure you could get a commercial uh, with them. If you just hey, man. I'll, I'll do the work, man. I'll do the work. <laughs> but it says it says it's got a 4.8 out of 5. That's really a 5. Just give it a 5. Just, yeah, just give it a 5. Five. And that feels about right. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like, yo, this movie is wonderful. I love it. It's my childhood. Yada, yada, yada. But let's get let's get to these. I wouldn't even call them hot takes. I would just call them general general opinions from people. Right. So this is from the Washington Post. This is uh, one of the reviews of the movie. The road to El Dorado plays so close to the line it leaves me a little woozy. After all, it's essentially an animated Crosby Hope picture set in the Holocaust. That Holocaust is initiated by the arrival to Mexico of the syphilitic Spanish mercenary Hernando Cortez, bringer of death to thousands, remember that tens of thousands, (laughs) and even possibly millions. With guns and horses and armor and ultimately germs, he cut a swath through an ancient civilization in the name of God, his, and gold, theirs. He ended up rich. They ended up dead. Uh, (laughs) Wow. So that's the beginning of that review. (laughs) I, I mean, there, I didn't hear any untruth in, in that. So. <laughs> There's another piece from the L.A. Times. It's it's a like review op ed kind of merging situation, but similar energy where it says, imagine that you're living a couple of centuries in the future and you have never heard of World War Two or Nazis. Furthermore, imagine that you're being shown a movie about the Nazi commandment. Uh, portrayed as a happy-go-lucky romantic guy named Fritz at a concentration camp. This is a recreational Jewish camp where everyone is picnicking and having a great time. Fritz is constantly looking to get rich off the Jewish campers, and they freely offer him their gold fillings with savings accounts and other valuables. He meets an evil rabbi who wants the valuables for himself and a beautiful Jewish girl who offers herself as a sex toy. Without ever mentioning World War II, Nazis, or the Holocaust, the film ends with Fritz living happily ever after with the wealth he has acquired from the Jewish people at the camp. This racist, sexist scenario lies as the equivalent to what is being done to us, the indigenous people of Mexican and Central American descent, by this new animated film, The Road to El Dorado. Uh, well, so- <laughs> I can't yeah, be mad. I, know, right, right? I can't be mad at any of that. Uh, <laughs> it's like they spoke for a long time. They had a lot to say. And it wasn't right. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is from the indigenous geek girl uh, from her blog. And it's it's a piece called The Problem with the Road to El Dorado. And this is kind of like the, the end part here where they're talking about a situation where, you know, indigenous people are being harassed for their opinions about this yeah. movie. And so it says, and now that the film is being used to harass docs and threaten an indigenous person who will not be named to avoid further harassment, who is rightfully irate with the film and the way it characterizes indigenous women, I have fewer reasons to like it. The irony isn't lost in me that so many non-natives fight tooth and nail to protect the dignity of a fictional character than they would the indigenous person she was meant to represent. I'm appalled that the defensiveness for this character in the film resulted in threats, violence, death, sexual assault threats, and every type of online harassment against indigenous people in a matter of hours. Fans of The Road to El Dorado, this is on you to do better because your problematic fave isn't more important than the lives and well-being of Native women who actually exist. Native women don't need to hear your excuses and ad-libs for why you love a movie despite its problems. Native women don't need you to know why you think 
uh, Shell's portrayal is harmless and empowering. Actually, Native women do need you to listen to us when we tell you that something is harming us. Because the fact of the matter is, El Dorado is one of the many harmful stories where anti-Native racism is overlooked, ignored, and denied. Right? And so I think that kind of gets into the heart of how movies like this on the face seem harmless right because it's an animated family film and like you know you're watching you saw it as a kid you didn't really think twice like we did right we were just kind of like okay yeah, yeah like el dorado that's a silly goofy movie but if you're an indigenous person or a mesoamerican person and you're watching this movie you're probably like that's pretty fucked up uh <laughs> or let me i haven't used this one at all yet let me see if i can uh Hey, what's wrong with you? Right? You're just kind of like, what's wrong with y'all? Like, are we, did we watch the same movie? Because y'all are out here praising this film. You love this film. There's a lot of, like, online discourse about how great these two characters are. Again, whether or not you want to say Miguel and Tulio are colonizers in the same way that Hernan Cortez is a colonizer, sure. But you got to admit, they're probably bringing just as much smallpox and I mean they they led Cortez there Cortez followed their footsteps they did do that yeah so you know they are not harmless characters right like they're not their whole goal is to steal from the steal and they came there to steal (laughs) and so even if you're like ah but nobody really gets hurt and you know yada 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 I want to say it was in the same blog from indigenous geek girl something they bring up that i didn't really think about but is also really fucked up is that zekko khan washes up out of the whirlpool in front of cortez Cortez, right and so his whole deal i guess is that he wants to get revenge on everybody now he's just gonna fucking destroy all of el dorado you know because he was wronged but when you know what happens to many, 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 many indigenous people because of the real life Cortez, right? Like the mm-hmm. fact that he is unable to deliver that means that he was probably murdered in a like very gratuitous, inhumane way, right? So even the villain of this movie, <laughs> like in a lot of ways, like, you know, a lot of Disney movies, like the villain doesn't necessarily die like a horrific death, but, you know, they, 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 are they fall off a cliff they get sent back to you know whatever dimension they come from you know whatever it is right but it's usually like Mm -hmm. some non it's violent in the sense of like yes you know they probably are dead but like not violent as in like they got ripped apart by a pack of dogs right (laughs) he probably got ripped apart (laughs) he probably got tortured to death and so even thinking about zekko khan it's like like that's terrible right like the fact that his fate is left to one of the most egregious and like notorious colonizers and murderer of indigenous people as like his just yeah, like desserts, he deserved right it. like yeah. as, <laughs> right 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 his comeuppance so is like well you know you shouldn't have been an evil priest <laughs> you know and then they move like, on to just colonize some other place like you know yeah so yeah. yeah, it's literally like, oh, we're done here. Yeah, It's obviously not behind that wall, so... And so I, I think that's really something that a lot of the times with with movies that... Because, you know, we're talking about this as three black people, but for us, it's kind of like... I mean, we see that it's racist, 
right? Like we're able to, to recognize that. But at the same time, it's not something that is directly impacting us, right? But these no, movies no. Yeah. are still harming people in real life. And you might look at this film and say, well, I don't know, like, what's the harm? Right? Like, what's, what's, what's so bad about this? But if you're from that community that's watching this, it's like, how many times do I get to see myself in a movie? And the one time I do, like, imagine going to a sleepover and watching this movie with your white friends. <laughs> Like that, you know what I mean? Like, that's wild. That's got to be such a disorienting experience because it's like everybody's having a good time and they're laughing and they're joking and like they're, you know, they're singing the songs and all this stuff. And meantime, you're watching the movie and you're like, but that's so I'm the one, I'm that one. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that's I'm a, always just, yeah, that's a tough experience to have, honestly. When you like, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't really enjoy it, no. even though it's like goofy and like vibrant and beautiful. But I mean, I, I feel like I had the same experience watching the movie myself. I mean, I saw it for the first time this time. And even though it's like it's bright, it's peppy, it's got a couple songs that are sort of mm -hmm. bops, but I also forgot about them today. Yeah, they're uh, entirely forgettable. Entirely forgettable, but also like vague ideas. I remember like the Road to Adventure song a little bit. Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, no, oof. I really, I felt like fighting when he when I heard that song. I, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's just whack. It's just empty but, of idea and empty of like. Yeah. I don't know redeeming value. Then I got mad at myself because I actually found myself enjoying the "It's Tough to Be a God" song because. <laughs> I oh. Like, ooh, no, uh, please let me explain. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because. I was listening to it, like the lyrics, and I was like, you know what? This sure. could be a really, they're making a really interesting statement about fame and celebrity and how people are put on pedestals when they don't want to be. And it's like, okay, well, if, mm -hmm. if y'all mm -hmm. are insisting I be this thing and y'all might harm me, harm me if I don't, I might as well just be what y'all say I am. Like, that's actually really right. insightful. But within this context, it's like, right. Ugh. Like I can't, right. I can't root for this song. It's 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 like because right, you're right. Well, even let's unpack it a little bit. Like it's it's tough to be a god. All these things, the mm -hmm. the unwanted privilege and all the things like that. But these guys are eating that shit up. Yeah. Like their main choice to make is literally: should I stay or should I go? Either way, I'm keeping some gold. Like. And one of them even got like a new girlfriend or something like that out of the deal. Like it's all gravy. It's all good. So when it's tough to be a god, it's doesn't it rings hollow because it's like, is it for Miguel and Tulio? Yeah. It doesn't seem to be. Like my dude coughed and a volcano stopped, and everybody was like, Oh shit. And he was like, Okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I shouted and that volcano stopped. <laughs> They're all happy go lucky, but the movie doesn't seem to understand like the weight of what they're doing to these people <laughs> the movie's just like no this is cool it's chill it's chill and can i can i just yeah. say um with um jordan when it. you were talking reading those reviews and talking about representation i i'm i'm really glad <laughs> we're having this discussion because i honestly when i was younger i think i always thought of of chell really positively because she was brown-skinned like me and and she wasn't like thin and that meant mm -hmm. something to me uh, especially in the early 2000s mm -hmm. the way women had been drawn up until then 
And even in terms of like you're talking about a cult following, um, you know, she's one of those characters that uh, a lot of black and brown women find like with cosplay, for instance, like they feel like they can participate in that through her as a Mm -hmm. character and and it helps them find belonging in that type of community. So I think I had always, and again, as you said, there are these elements they try to put in where she seems to have agency or it's, it's framed as if she has agency, but does she really? Um, But then it's just like, I don't know. I, I feel like that just, it speaks to how starved a representation we are because of how much, Maybe not me, because I'm not a super fan of, of this film of Chow and of Chow, but like how much so many other people have, you know, seen themselves in her and, and, and felt attached to her. And yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm really glad you read those um, reviews because it's really reiterating for me how awful that is, even if it is helpful <laughs> to a lot of black and brown women to see her and to yeah. and to, you know, engage with her character and even dress up as her. It's like there's still so many issues there, you know? Well, because, you know, black, brown women deserve mm-hmm. better, right? They deserve better on screen and in representation than just to get what they get, yeah. right? Like, here's mm. something close enough to what you want. So, like, I guess latch on to this. It's the same with queer representation where it's just like, well, I guess, you know, if you read into it enough, you can kind of see yourself in there. And that's if that does something for you, then I guess we did our job, like mission accomplished, but it's mm-hmm. like, why don't you just give them who they are? Like you could easily just make a movie with queer people in it. And then we don't have to do all the, <laughs> you know, like digging and like, you wouldn't have to do the, do the work. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to have like one of those conspiracy boards with all the strings, like trying to connect the dots to, to get to something that you could just do just literally get some black people or some brown people in the room and like have them tell you about it right before we we get into remaking this movie i did i'd be remiss if i didn't read a little bit about what the actual myth of el dorado Mm -hmm. was right so el dorado is a spanish myth right (laughs) like the people the colonizers of spain excuse me were obsessed with the idea of not just like gold right but like finding finding this because it was it all filled into again this this age of adventure this age of exploration right like Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough just to find a place but like it's got to be the great you know like we need to find this almost mythological amazing place right and so it was kind of built up over time just because a general misunderstanding of what they were encountering. So there was a whole, there was a whole myth about, you know, this country or this place somewhere in South America, right. That was just everywhere was gold, right. The buildings were made out of gold. People were wearing gold and it was just, it was so abundant that it, yeah, it was just like, you know, any, anything else that you would see on the street mm-hmm. in actuality, what they were seeing was, I want to I want to pronounce this right. It's spelled M U I S C A. I'm going to say Muisca. Muisca. I'll have to look it up. I have no comment. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be right. wrong. Actually, I'll, I'll also be, like uh, Kenneth Branagh right. and Kevin Klein were not in Much Ado About Nothing together. Uh, oh uh, no! I retract my statement. <laughs> <laughs> but they were in Wild Wild West together. They were in Wild Wild West together. It's over two for these guys, bro. So 
when a leader died in Muisca society, the process of succession for the chosen golden one would unfold. And basically what would happen, a selected leader, maybe like a nephew of the previous chief or, you know, somebody who was kind of higher up in the society would go through this initiation process that would culminate in paddling out on a raft onto a sacred lake um, in central Colombia, right? And so they would be surrounded by the high priest. They would be adorned with feathers, with gold crowns, with body ornaments. And the leader, naked, but for the covering of gold dust, so they would be covered in just kind of, yeah, this, this golden dust, would make an offering of golden objects, right? And basically would just throw them all into the lake. And so the shores of the circular lake were filled with all of this, you know, gold, right? And so like these things would kind of wash up on shore and people were just, oh, like there's got to be something around, like a golden city around here. Like, look how much gold is here. Um, and so you would see drawings of, you know, this uh, ceremony and, you know, people would kind of like get get bits and pieces of it. I think somebody saw this ceremony taking place one time and just like there was a golden man you know out on the lake and they're like oh like even the even the people are gold like look how much gold must come from a city made of gold and so that kind of turned into the myth of el dorado and the city of gold and then Uh. that turned into many a many a explorer quote unquote explorer uh coming over from europe to find the city but also just take whatever they wanted right and I think that is kind of emblematic of this movie because again, like whatever you say about Miguel and Tulio, like they had no altruistic intentions in coming to on the one hand, because I mean, it's not even really explained how they know about El Dorado or why Miguel is so excited to go to El Dorado. And even like his understanding and reading of the map is yeah. sketchy at best, but where that guy had the map in the first place. I know, yeah. and didn't go to El Dorado. I'm never going to get over that. It's just like, my dude, get on a, you know, I mean, I guess, because dude, wasn't dude on the boat too? Like when they got on the boat, was that not the same dude or was I that a I thought it was, dude? but then I wasn't was sure it? if I was, I don't know. Yeah. Was that what you were just kind of referring to, Cameron, where there's just a lot of sameness yeah. in characters? I, ch- I, I chalked assumed... it up to the sameness. I was like, ah, it looks like that dude, but I don't, it can't be that dude, but also animating everybody the same, yeah. so. Yeah, he was dressed the same. So I was just like, is this, this, am I supposed to assume this is the same person? But (laughs) yeah, I mean, he, he I don't know. He, the animators would tell you, they'd be like, sure, man. I don't know. I don't (laughs) fucking know, man. It was 2000, man. I was high on cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, let's transition into thinking about how to remake this movie. Um, Danielle, as our guest, you can go ahead and, and, and start us off. But keep in mind, you don't have to, right? Like we we have, obli- like you can also to... have the option to say, "Don't remake it." <laughs> yeah, don't remake El Dorado. Make something else. Um, but if you if you had to remake it, would that be your choice, or would you kind of go a different direction? So when we say remaking, are we? Is this like as if the film that exists now didn't exist, and we got to do it differently, or is this like? remaking it anew and doing things differently would yeah that's an option i mean like you could definitely if if there's a way to to do it without miguel and tulio like that's an option if there's a way to 
make the movie around I, them. I just feel like you know where they're still involved. Because with me, I, I'm just like the whole time I'm just watching and thinking. Y'all shouldn't be here in the first place. Y'all should have just stayed where you were. Like, why are y'all here? Wow, there you go. So it's like, I don't wait, feel wait, like wait. I could remake the movie. Yeah, hit him with the drop. Rewriting yeah. history. And I just... Uh, hit, him, hit him with the drop for that one, because that's okay. so real. And you don't even go here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You wasn't even supposed to be here. You wasn't even supposed to How many stories do we have on this podcast where you wasn't even supposed they, to be here, they, fam? No. Yeah, I just... And I feel like they even, speaking of rewriting history, it's like, I, th- I think Hernan Cortez, he didn't come from Spain to Mexico. He was in like um, Cuba for a number of years yeah. and then went to Mexico. Yeah. Or what we know is Cuba and Mexico. So he Actually, just- the person who uh, supposedly, the Spanish person who supposedly went to El Dorado was Pizarro. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I just. Yeah. I just feel so, so again playing fast and loose. They playing fast yeah. and loose with the shit. It's like you know, I remember the positive, the fondness that I had with the movie, and there's still things about it I appreciate, like you said, especially from like a visual standpoint. But like mm-hmm. remaking, I guess I would just make something else. I think it was Jordan was saying mm-hmm. something about, or maybe Cameron too, talking about making just more stories that focus more on. Instead of a mythical culture, like what, an ancient culture that actually existed and making more stories from that. Um, uh, it's funny you mentioned queer coding because I didn't get that from Miguel and Tulio. But for some reason, I was wondering that about Zeko Khan, if he was supposed to be mm. queer coded because... A lot of Disney yeah, villains are. Giving, yeah, <laughs> giving me a lot of scar, scar vibes. Exactly. He had the same scar vibes. He had the same villainous colors. His lighting was like green and yellow, just like Scar. And and, yep, and yep. when he had the bowl, um, when the, his crony or whatever is handing him the potion, he wouldn't take it until he the crony put a pink umbrella in there. Um, I don't know if y'all mm. noticed that. Like I only drank frilly potions. Right, and, and then he's getting emotional about him. Parasol potions. Julio bonding. It's like, yeah, we're finally connecting, and I'm just like, and I, his nails were slightly longer than all the other men's. So I just, I didn't <laughs> know if he was supposed to be quoted as queer. His drip was a little or, different. Uh, that's just me overthinking it. But I don't know. Maybe we could do, a, or we. But you know, like a, a queer yeah. story about ancient. Um, Mayan people, you know, I something okay. that anything, something other yeah. than what we got, I feel like would be more yeah. appropriate. <laughs> made by For actual, sure. you know, indigenous Latin American people who know know like about that. this stuff and know the history and and you know, I yeah, something else. I guess this is, like is my that. answer. We have to make something else because I don't think this can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Um, even as much as I, I can't bring myself to hate it as much as I feel like I should. I just feel like there's no fixing this one. I feel like we have to make yeah something else. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, we're not making movies about colonizers. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we off that. We off. Hey, that. Can I just say? Can... I'm sorry. I, I forgot to say this. Go um, for it. When we were talking earlier about how they don't accomplish anything, they actually make things worse because they have to. The El Doradoans have to find a new way out of the city now. There's no way. Yeah, yeah they're, they're locked into the city they have now. They to restructure For sure. something. Their in little their secret city entrance. Because the, 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 what they've been using for who knows how long is just gone now. So yep. All those maps, useless. It's, yeah. Yep. 
I mean, I would, I would, I would second that in that, yeah, we don't need to make this movie again. There's definitely movies to be made about, you know, Mesoamerica. And the same way that we talked yeah. about Dance of the Wolves, I'm like, give me a movie before white people. Like, give me a movie before. We, they know. don't have to be there. They don't. They, they don't, don't have go to be there. there. They're not from there. Like, give me a story <laughs> about these people. It could be because that's the thing. Like you look at a movie like Coco or you look at, you know, this new movie in Canto. You look at specifically like Moana, right? Like that is a whole movie built out of, you know, Pacific Islander Samoan culture, right? Like they're bringing you something straight out of that, you know, mythology with like a lot of real historical stuff in there and turn it into a fantastical story right so yeah and you don't need no guy named jeff to show up to let you know what the story means right because i mean this movie another confusing element of it was because of all of the rewrites right since it was initially conceived as kind of this historical adventure where we're pulling from actual real life stuff and then it got turned into whatever this was it was kind of played off as from everybody involved is oh no this isn't supposed to be historical this is like it's a it's a fantasy movie that you know has some real world trappings right like we we picked and cherry picked from certain things but like they were kind of trying to say uh you know i guess yeah i guess hernan cortez is in this movie but it's not supposed to be you're not supposed to believe it's a historical thing and you're just like then why did you do that though? Like you could have not, that could have just been anybody. You didn't even need that character. It's very bizarre. It's so your I boy Jeff, man. It's your boy <laughs> Jeff. We're good. We got it, baby. I would agree that, yeah, like if we're going to do anything, it definitely does not need any Europeans in it. Just give me <laughs> an El Dorado film about the people of, I mean, there's stuff happening there. We don't really get to know anybody else besides three people. But, you know, because that's, I mean, another part that we didn't get to touch on that much, but even the implication that one, they were just sacrificing humans left and right, right? That's wild. Two, that their whole religion and culture is somewhat like backwards or primitive just because it isn't following, you know, the, the, the European way of doing things. Like all of these cultures, when you look back, and you see that they had invented forms of writing, forms of mathematics, that they had built, you know, these very impressive architectural structures, whether it be temples or pyramids or anything else that still exists today, right? <laughs> like they are still around today. That's how sound and structurally impressive they are, that they have not just wasted away like so many other things. Like these were not primitive cultures in any way, shape or form. Right. And so that's a, that's another thing that's kind of like, Oh yeah, of course. Like, of course they would just believe that two white men coming off a ship. And again, at that point, like they had, they had seen, they had to have to have seen white people. You know what I mean? Like there's no way that this was the first European group of people they had encountered. And if they, knew what it was when they saw those other people who got the uh the swords to the skull like i just i still am confused as to why these two were given a pass to the to the 
El Dorado cookout. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cameron, do you have a way of remaking this film? Or no, I agree with you guys. I completely <laughs> agree with you guys. We had to do it. Throw it away. Throw it away. Uh, well, that <laughs> it's going to lead us to our Calcasity meter. <laughs> Uh, we have to put this on there somewhere. So, Danielle, these are our three levels of caucasity. And I don't know, are we choosing the new third one or are we sticking with the one that we did last time? I haven't I haven't seen any new caucasity <laughs> in the world. I mean, it's always going on, but I have nothing yeah. that relates. We're, we're, oh, we're, con- we're constantly collecting it, too. Consistently you know. collecting caucasity. Yeah, we have to assess uh, week to week to kind of see what's going on in the world. But... Our first two levels always remain the same. So our first level is shorts in the winter, right? It's it's that time. I'm seeing it now, right? Like <laughs> out- <laughs> I'm, seeing it. I'm seeing it now. <laughs> I'm seeing it in real time. They're out here. It's cold. It's supposed to be the coldest day of the year thus far tomorrow. And I'm certain I'm going to see somebody in shorts walking around to the corner store. Sand- shorts and sandals. Shorts and sandals. Coming out with a six pack of white claws. <laughs> You're not harming me with this choice, but it's still a curious choice to make. I don't know why you did it. I have questions about what's going on in your mind as this is happening, but it's not necessarily even no harm, no foul, but it is like, all right, you know, we didn't have to do any of this, but I guess, yeah, you, you didn't harm me in a way that's as bad as it could have been, right? Uh, Cameron, right. what's our second level? Our second level is touching your hair. Mm-hmm. Of course, without you know any type of consent whatsoever, because they never asked for any type of consent oh, of before not. the questions asked. The hair, the hand is already like eighty percent already to your, yep. to its destination. Been you there know? many times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know how it goes. I mean, I, I had dreadlocks. I see you've got some short dreadlock braids going on twist, like yes. I, 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 you got twists okay okay it's, it's over zoom i can't really see it's the fidelity right. but you know what yes. it is you know what it is, is the hand is already reaching there were questions asked and you were just like oh wait i gotta avoid stuff now like okay so yeah. what we're saying is that they're entering your space now they're entering your space causing an act of violence it's not violent it's not bloody violent but it's definitely like invading your space now and so our third level of caucasity. We've, we've gone through a number of ones. <laughs> we can kind of list some of them off for you. The most recent one was Aaron Rodgers. I'm immunized. Aaron Rodgers, being like, been, I'm immunized. <laughs> <laughs> it has also been uh, Taylor Swift's cover of September. Uh, <laughs> it has also we, been, uh, what's his name from Coldplay? Uh, oh, Chris, Chris Martin's, Martin's cover of genuine's pony with on acoustic bass, guitar and, with and an no acu- with an upright bass and no shoes or socks <laughs> yeah barefoot uh, twice he did it twice uh so he's <laughs> habitually habitually stepping. <laughs> but all that to say this is an act of violence now like you have yeah. chosen to do harm you are consciously doing harm you know this is wrong you don't care yeah this is just you're you're doing what you want to do yeah you could care less what the rest of what us the think about cultural it. impact is. Yeah. So where do you feel like El Dorado lands? You know, I feel like coming into this conversation, I was already at you're touching my hair just because honestly that that song 
the trail we blaze or whatever. There's literally a line. <laughs> yeah, the trail I we mean, blaze. I'm not going to go through my whole list of the lyrics I wrote down, but there's li- he literally says pioneers of maximum audacity. That's a that's a lyric mm-hmm. in that song. Of maximum caucasity, yeah, exactly, yes. Exactly. And, yeah, I was about and, to say, it sounds like some pioneers of maximum caucasity yeah. around here. Talking about how the land is like, has virgin vistas and hasn't been explored before and it's unknown. So it's like, we get to be the ones to go and, and defile yeah, like, it. Isn't that fun? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that song already had me, oh, already man. set me off. And then... Um, had you tight. Yeah, and then just... You know, in this discussion, listen, listening to y'all talk, I think at the beginning, um, I think it was Jordan said something about how why is it all, there always a prophecy that white people are coming and that they're gods and, and all that in these movies. Um, and I think it really speaks to this profound lack of inf- of of imagination, of wanting to or, or uh, being able to make a story about these cultures about these places without inserting white people in them and um i think it also speaks to this idea and almost like this really weird stance on history that people i guess are afraid to say but it's always kind of there where it's like the way things happened is the only way they could have ever happened and how else will we live how we live mm-hmm. today without mm-hmm. everything that happened so like right. sorry to those people kind of that got desecrated but without all that happening we wouldn't have what we have now and live how we live now so i mean isn't that purposeful isn't it kind of good that those things you wouldn't have this way? movie yeah <laughs> it's like there's no other way history could have gone there's no other society we could have come up with if if all the colonization hadn't happened as if it was necessary um i guess that goes back to the whole manifest destiny thing but yeah um yeah i for, i guess it's maybe because it is part of my childhood in a way even though it wasn't like my favorite movie or anything me personally i don't trash the movie but it's definitely an act of violence i don't think i can call it anything else mm. i really can't call it mm-hmm. anything else and um Mm-hmm. I can see the elements where they really ca- you can see where they really cared about what they were doing and I think they thought they were doing something good um, I don't think it yeah. was intentionally mean spirited but it really it's 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 so violent nonetheless I can't really give it mm, a yep. rating than that so yep. yeah that's, that's where I yeah. stand Cameron what about you uh yeah i think i'm like in the same camp where it's it's an act of violence fam uh and and i'm searching for which one out of our top tier i think Mm -hmm. i have to go with uh aaron Rodgers lying about being immunized (laughs) quote unquote because that's what it feels like right it feels like these guys were like okay it's the lost city of gold it's el dorado right that's good enough right yeah but then when you watch the product when you play football with Aaron Rodgers, you get COVID. When you watch this movie, <laughs> you know, yeah. you get you get like a half-hearted attempt. Or you get something a little bit emptier than anything else, honestly. Because mm-hmm. it feels like, like you said, I mean, and like we've gone over, a mishmash, hodgepodge, you know, slapdash, put together thing. And it really doesn't amount to a whole bunch but what it does do is plays fast and loose with a culture that these what 
I'm gonna spin a bottle and say that the all three screenwriters are white men. <laughs> you got it. Wow. <laughs> no research, fam. <laughs> Sunk the th- three from behind back court, you know? Yep. Like, He's Steph you know, Curry. Like, yeah. this is, <laughs> you know, it's reckless. It's people are wild and reckless with like cultures, like, fam, I can't, I wouldn't dare to just be like, oh, I wanna make a movie set in Ireland in the 1830s. And just like point at a history book and just make the movie with whatever world book definition I got. No. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens repeatedly with these movies. They just like, okay, here's Mesoamerican culture in the 1500s or here's African culture in the 1700s or here's whatever Asian culture in the 14th dynasty or in the 14th century. It's like, fam, you don't know. You weren't there. Your ancestors weren't there. Or if they were, they were colonizing and they were taking things. So, like, who are you to think that you're the guy to tell the story? <laughs> it's reckless. Yeah. It's reckless. It's reckless. Uh, yeah, and the, and the Elton John songs aren't even like memorable. And yeah, no. like you, like you said, <laughs> they're just anger-inducing more than like memorable. So nah. yeah, yeah, they're whack. The movie's whack. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely it wasn't it wasn't the road to adventure. It was a road to a new beach house. Was what it's boom. Like. That's it right. Like, put a yeah, house on my house. I get this. Check. And they didn't even get to put a house on a house because yeah, yeah. the movie yeah. fucking <laughs> bombed. <laughs> yeah. um, recoup, man. They didn't recoup. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm in agreement with you guys. I, f- I feel like this kind of sums up my my feelings about it. Why the fuck you lying? Mm. Why you always lying? Ooh. Oh my god! Oh my god! Stop fucking lying! <laughs> That was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Because <laughs> y'all lying. Y'all lying with this one. Y'all out here doing some real wild stuff. I mean, just the idea of our heroes, you know, these Europeans going into this land and brown people and just plundering and, you know, doing European whatever they want. cheaters and thieves. Yeah. And it, and it kind of feels like, okay, wait, what's happening here? You know, because so much of it is sure like our kids picking up on these facts are they connecting these dots are they seeing all these things in real time obviously not you know they don't have that kind of information to make those connections but i think that is what is insidious about it is that you're presenting a false view of history to kids and no should you make a movie about cortez and other conquistadors coming to central and south america and just running roughshod over indigenous people that's not a movie for anybody you know nonetheless children nobody wants that yeah (laughs) but to just have have somebody like that presented as like an also ran in this movie is like that's wild right like that's like one of the that's like if genghis khan was just like a fourth character in your film right who just like you, like you know what he goes on to do but he's just like uh, a nuisance to the main characters in, in the movie right or it's like cortez cortez shows up in the beginning threatens to enslave them is gone for an hour and 25 minutes shows up at the end because the the, the what's so crazy about the structure of this movie is that I thought it was over after the Jaguar, right? I thought after that, I thought, happened, I thought it was over, over. I thought it was that was it. Sunset, you know, the end. 
And then I looked it up, and there was like 30 minutes left. And I was like, what, what happens next? <laughs> what so else? much more. What else? So when Cortez comes back, I'm just like, he hasn't even been in the movie. Like, you know, like he's supposed right, to be. Right, fam. Like, I'm supposed to be scared of this dude? I ain't even seen you, bro. Like, the, Yeah, he showed up once and then was like brought back at the end as like the ultimate threat. But why, right? And if you know real history, you know why. If you don't know real history... It's just a very, but like, that's the implication though, right? Like that's what the makers of the film are implying is that if Cortez finds El Dorado, then he's going to kill everybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so they don't say that out loud. Right. But that's what you're supposed to believe. And so like, even in that shows me that they knew enough of what they were doing or enough of what they were showing that to do all the other stuff that they did right with shell and like even just the 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 erasure of mesoamerican culture right like to just have it as backdrop and setting as opposed to like anything that means anything to the movie significance yeah it's just kind of like uh we're vacationing here for a little bit we're vacationing in your culture yeah, and then we're gonna get out. It's just like, oh, come yeah. on, guys. You know what I mean? Like, this is where, where if it was just a random, you know, like we we go to an island and we have you know this hapless adventure where whatever, still racist, right? Like, still, still <laughs> problematic. But the full extent of no Spanish Europeans going to. Mid, like central and south america with cortez <laughs> it's like now we're just now now y'all are doing way too much so yeah i gotta hit it with the third level as well um but in in that is there any movies that we would recommend in this place because i would i would say watch prince of egypt like prince of egypt is not the yeah. same movie right like they're different movies but i think that is probably closer in spirit and intent to what they wanted this movie to be before it got yeah. rewritten six to seven times to hell and just kind of turned into yeah. this weird mismatch of things. That um, movie has brown Egyptians in it, so you know points yeah. to it. <laughs> That's that is that is the sign, right? You know what I mean? Like this movie also is just it's it's Edward James Almos, Rosie Perez. That's it. You and know, Armando it's a movie. Who <laughs> so I think is movie, Italian. Right. That's what I'm saying. So in a movie about primarily or at least setting in, you know, a, a brown place with these indigenous people, it's just all white people. And then, you know, two Hispanic people in yeah, there. He is Italian and Irish. He certainly is. That's why I was like, the name oh. might get you. But then when you see a picture, you're like, that's a white. There's no debate. So that's another thing going against it is that, like, yeah, like you got Rosie Perez and Edward James almost in there, I guess, as like clout, yeah. you know. Clout. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a clout move. But it's not like they have so little to do. Their characters are so in service of uh, Miguel and Tulio that, like, they yeah. might as well just be. They might as well not even be like, they might as well just be like talking animals, right? Like they might yeah. as well just be like real. magical talking animals that help them along the way instead of actual people. Because I guess. Even though this movie already has two magical animals. 
right i, I guess, understand everything yeah miguel can't sleep with a magical animal so they have <laughs> to have that be a you're right you're right but oh goodness um, tulio 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 uh, i didn't even catch it that time <laughs> you know <laughs> well like you said I mean, in a lot of ways they're interchangeable you know and some they people assume that Chell was sleeping with both of them. Well, they were both attracted uh, to her at the beginning, but then she yeah. went with yeah. Julio. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So some people assume that they, she was just going between both of them and I guess just ended up with mm-hmm. Julio, but like <clears throat> probably, you know, at least made out with Miguel at some point. But anyways, yeah. Is there another movie besides Prince of Egypt that people would recommend? Um. So I was thinking about this because, you know, this is. It's a buddy movie, right? It's not about this this culture that sure. they're in. It's not about the El Dorado mm-hmm. and people. You know, it's a buddy movie. No. So I actually thought of um, Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. I feel like that's just a, a better yeah. buddy film that also has like <laughs> con artists and and have they have this friendship that's like tenuous and they go separate their separate ways, but then eventually reunite at the end and reinforce their friendship um you know it is uh, it could be really triggering uh especially if, if you're um black american because it does deal with black men losing decades of their life to the uh american prison system in the south and a work camp um so mm-hmm. but it has a lot of heart and it has a lot of like Bernie Max in it, has a ton of really great black actors in it, and I just feel like it's a yeah. Oh, yeah. a better story and a more entertaining buddy film if that's uh something you're interested in. Uh I you, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I mean, this is not a black film at all. Although black people do love the Coen brothers. I would also say Oh Brother We're Out There We're Out There. Oh, is, oh yeah. Because yeah. it's got the music. Right. It is about, you know, thieves or scammers, criminals, you know, what I mean, trying to make good in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's I mean, it's a much better movie yeah. than this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, if you want, I would say life, life yeah. is good or a brother out good. there. If you want some a little bit of music thrown in with your hijinks. My other, um, oh, oh go I ahead. have one other idea, but I feel like it's maybe I shouldn't recommend this one either. Um I do second Prince of Egypt. I think it's a masterpiece. I cry every time I watch it, which is why I don't watch it very often. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I was thinking, because they came out the same year, actually. Um, I was thinking of The Emperor's New Groove, which has issues because there are no... Latinx people on the cast, as opposed to um, yes. Road to El Dorado, but it is pre-colonization. There are no, there are no European colonizers in the movie, and it's just like a, a romp about this guy who learns to be less of a jerk through the power of friendship, and it happens to be set in, um, I forgot what civilization it is, but um, also in South America. I, I don't. If you have yeah. to watch an animated film about an ancient civilization in South America. I, I feel like that would be the better. From, from the 2000s. Yeah, from the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a better option than this one. But also, like I said, it has its issues as well, especially um, in terms of the casting. But, you know, it's an option. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think my suggestion, my suggestion is a little newer. 
it's it's another movie that takes real life characters and places them within a different context just for the movie's sake. But I think there's a way better example of doing that. And that's um, the new Netflix movie, uh, The Harder They Fall. Oh, the Ooh, cowboy yeah. movie. Yeah, that's fun. So good. Yeah. yeah. So much fun. And it's like, it's fun the way this movie wanted to be without Elton John songs, obviously. But just like, you know, taking historical people, placing them within a context for the movie's sake, but honor, still honoring what made them interesting people, but just like, you know, kind of playing a little fast and loose with the story for the story's sake, but still like taking these people that exist, these legends that existed and like, you know, giving them a little bit of shine. Yeah, I definitely would get yeah. it with that. I think um, that's a movie where we're, we're talking about doing kind of just like a 2021 retrospective. Yeah, yeah. And that that's a movie that I would definitely put up there. It's just like a, an example of, you know, what black filmmakers and black film can do if you just kind of like give us some money and get out the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For real, like honestly. It don't happen all the time, and I was shocked when yeah. I saw that movie. I was like, "This is good. How does yeah. this just like happen?" Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully, <laughs> it, it happens doesn't. more That's often. How it but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it happens more often because yeah, golly day, that was really fun. Um, but this was also very fun. Yeah, yeah, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let us know, <laughs> of course. Let us know. <laughs> Where people can find you on the internet, where people can find your show. I know you wrapped up your season recently, mm-hmm. so I'm sure you're coming back next year at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on going into the new year and where people can find you if they're looking for you. Yeah, online. so um, as you mentioned, I just basically closed up shop for the year. I put out episode 88 was my last one for the year, and I'll be back sometime in January. Um but I'm always, you know, online, always lurking, always reachable. So, you know, if you're interested in Young Gifted and Abroad or in getting getting in touch with me, uh, you can go to younggiftedandabroad.com or uh, at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook um, hey. and at, YG, at YG Abroad on Twitter. Um, if you are specifically trying to get in touch with me the best option would be either to dm me on instagram or email me at or yeah young gifted and abroad at gmail.com um those are the best options but yeah uh young gifted and abroad as uh, the, the podcast is available in all the places you that podcasts are available soundcloud apple Podcasts, google spotify all the places so uh give it a listen and like i said i'm on break currently but uh, and I don't know when this will be coming out. Maybe I will, I'll be off break by the time this comes out. But, uh, you know, I am Take that break. Take that break. available yeah. if, if y'all need to reach me. And, and um, plenty of options yeah. to reach me if you need to. All right. For sure. And I would definitely say, I mean, if you are somebody currently in school thinking about going abroad, it's different right now. Yeah. Right. There's still there's a global <laughs> right. pandemic happening right now. Uh, so, you know, some of these stories may not be applicable to kind of what you're thinking about because there's certain things you got to take in mind. But I would definitely check out the show, you know, if that's something that you're thinking about or considering, because it's going to give you I mean, there's people from all over, right? You know what I mean? So it's it's not just, it's the places that you typically think about going, but there's some other places that you're like, maybe I didn't even consider that. So, you know, it might be something where you're thinking about going into that and doing study abroad, but like 
there's more options than you yeah. think there are and it's and it's good to hear somebody else's experience with it so you can kind of gauge what it might be like for you um cam what up, what's up with you what do you <laughs> you got going on just chilling on the internet yeah. uh you can find me at the blipster 1138 on ig and Maybe getting back to making some comedy with Two Karen with Love, so you can find us on YouTube at Two Karen Comedy. Um, yeah, making funnies on the internet and yeah. hanging out here and talking about white savior films. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and I'm Jordan Clark. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrsosa18, jrsosa18. Comic stuff is is in the works. Uh, feeling good about it, so hopefully I'll be able to you know get some stuff in traction and, and talk to everybody about it soon. Yeah. But you can you can find work at jclarkcomics.squarespace.com if you're interested in that or just look me up on Comixology. I got some work on there too. Um, but that's going to do it for us. We'll be back with more Caucasity next week. Uh, but thanks everybody <laughs> for listening. Peace. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.